Hey there, and welcome to our new episode of Hoops and Hot Pot, the premier NBA podcast coming out of Cabramatta, Today, we review some of the recent games that have been going on around the league, the teams that we think are looking hot right now. We look back at our Western Conference predictions from before the season started, and later on, we'll be looking at some proposed changes to the NBA structure and calendar. Without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm here in the studio with Alex D, and today, the D stands for the D in Anthony Davis, who looks like a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, I don't know about that. Anthony Davis is always a bit of a shaky one. You never know when he's going to accidentally block a shot too hard and then there goes his shoulder. Well, that's really the number one thing holding him back as a player. Some people say it's you know no great range from three. Yeah, His playmaking is not the best. His dribble is not the best. Yeah. It's really his health. Well, it's funny because he's paired up with the guy who's pretty much covering up all his weaknesses on offense. Anyway, yeah, so doesn't basically, really you know, I watched I watched the Lakers lose to the Mavs last week. Yeah, and you know we can talk about Doncic all day, but I was really interested to see that this was the first game I think I've seen in a while where the Lakers just played bad as a team. Yeah, and to me, the symptoms of their play wasn't really something that I thought is going to magically disappear once they get into the playoffs. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I took note of the fact that during the 10-game winning streak that they had, they were feasting on a lot of bad teams. Yeah. Like, not horrible teams, but just not teams that they're going to face um, come playoff time. Uh, so I think that's worthy of noting. I mean, a 10-game winning streak is a 10-game winning streak. It's still worth noting. I think the mark of a great team is that they can drop these sort of weak teams without really trying too hard. Yeah. Milwaukee are at that point now. Strangely enough, I think the Mavs are at that point now. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, the, the Nuggets and the Raptors. Yeah. I think good teams, like you said, um, you really should be able to walk into most weeks and just take out your the teams that you should take out. And you really need to have, I'd say, a 60 to 70% win rate against playoff teams during the regular season. Yeah. Just to give um audience that kind of confidence. Yeah, that's right. And I think the theme this week really has been players looking like their best selves. I think so far we've seen why AD and LeBron were such a good pairing. Yeah, uh, AD is a presence on both ends of, of the court. And LeBron is LeBron. No need to talk about him. Yeah. But we've seen James Harden get 60 a game, then 50 the next game. Luka yeah. Doncic is averaging nearly a triple-double. Yeah. Even Trey Young is shooting out of his mind. Do you think, do you think the recent shift towards these ball-dominant, ball-handling superstars... Is that a symptom of the way the league is right now, or are they just all catching fire at the same time? I think the league has definitely been gearing towards offensive players and facilitating offensive talents for a very long time. Yeah. I was listening to a pod earlier this morning talking about how defense isn't really rewarded anymore, and it's not given the same advantages that offense is given. Yeah. For example, for the longest time, ever since I've been following the NBA at least, the the benefit of that will always go to the offense, for yeah. example, and even now you cannot you cannot hand check, can't do you really can't do anything. Even if you get very close to touching a guy on shooting a three point shot, if he wobbles a little bit or flails, most likely the ref is going to give him that call as well. Yeah. So where previously superstars would make a living at the margins of play, you know, they were just a bit better at ball handling than the next guy. They were just a bit better at that mid range jumper. Yeah. Just a bit better at finishing. 
now it's if the team has the wrong defensive personnel, anyone can put up yeah. 25 a game. Yeah. I don't think Terry Rozier having a career season is a, is a fluke. Yeah. I don't think I don't even think that's him sort of making a giant leap in his ability. I yeah. think the game's just easier for him now. Yeah, definitely. It's the the way defense has evolved as well has made it so that the the strongest player on on offense will always find the weakest player on yeah. defense with all the switching that's going on. You know, you just stand at the top of the three-point line, call the guy that you want to uh, eventually run at. Call for a switch. It's going to happen most likely. And there you go. You got your point guard versus center. Quick crossover straight to the bucket, right? Yeah. It, it really does look that way when certain teams play. Uh, I think the Rockets are probably the most extreme example of this. Yeah. But I think it, it's given me cause to think about how stats are being represented now in yep. the whole history of basketball. It looks like a lot of people are having career nights or historical score lines now. Because yeah. of the way the league is. I wonder, do people really believe that, you know, Trey Young is right now, he's on the same level as previous superstars like Jason Kidd or T-Mac? Do people really believe that? Or is it is there a shift in the consciousness to recognize that I think we're playing a different era now? We need to take these stats into the context. Yeah, definitely. I'm a, I'm a big believer of the you need to compare people against their contemporaries. Yeah. That's why it makes... they Like, people really don't like doing LeBron Jordan comparisons or will... LeBron comparisons yeah. for example because you're comparing different eras and for the longest time I honestly thought people were just saying that because they wanted to give LeBron an excuse <laughs> to say oh well he can't win six championships it's not possible in this era yeah but as I'm growing out of my LeBron bias and just becoming a more well-rounded mature basketball <laughs> analyst I, I can see there's there's definitely wisdom in people saying you can't compare errors for example uh, do you think James Harden, for example, is a better offensive player than Kobe? Ugh, you don't want me to answer that because I actually think the answer is yes. See, like he probably is, but it's also I think a product, a byproduct of the era. Oh yeah. I mean, is anyone? He's ever, not. He's not heads and shoulders beyond. Will Kobe anyone ever say James Harden's actually like higher on the all-time list than Kobe, for example? That's a problem because people talk about achievements, and I think Harden has less of those because he's yeah. just playing in a brutal era compared to Kobe. Yeah. You you also got to recognize that he's not even a quarter of the defender Kobe was, which is yeah. probably why you can't place him above Kobe all time. Yeah. But offensively, this guy is close to perfect. Yeah, I I agree. Like he's got almost a complete offensive package. I'd also be pretty good at offense if I was gifted twenty three throws a game. <laughs> you know, he should just start the game. They with they points next to his name. One of the Spurs fans today was yeah, like, that was, yeah, oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> but his response was even better. He was yeah. like, stop fouling. Yeah. <laughs> But there's so many there's so many clips I've seen of him blatantly hooking guys' arms on the way up for a layup. Yeah. And it still gets caught. I, I honestly think it's not just him anymore. He's just the scapegoat for it. Yeah. You know, you talked about how defense isn't really rewarded anymore. I think there are probably two teams in the league right now who would take exception to that. The first is the Miami Heat, and the second is the Toronto Raptors. But I also think that these teams are taking the most advantage of this sort of lax approach to defense in the league, that their offenses look a lot better than they really are. Yeah. Like, if you watch the the Raptors-Heat game, which I think is probably one of the best games of the season so far, Yeah. fantastic defensive showing on both sides. You know, they were forcing Serge Ibaka when he was doing that pick and pop with Lowry that just destroyed the Warriors and the rest of the Eastern Conference yeah. in the playoffs. Like, Ibaka was forced into tough mid-range shots. I think the Heat are really good at that. But I, I look at guys like Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet put up 
score lines every now and then where they'll get like, you know, 28, 30 points. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is not realistic. Exactly. This is not going to happen in the playoffs. Like yeah. just looking at the players they are. Yeah. You can even see when Fred Van Vliet drives, he doesn't yeah. really go for the basket. He just goes for the contact. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he can. This is the way the league is now. Well, I was reflecting the other day. I, there are guys that are not nowhere near, for example, Durant's caliber in yeah. terms of prestige or skill set. And yet they're constantly putting up high 20s, 30s these days. Yeah. And I remember I used to get wowed when KD would put up 30 plus. I would be like, oh, that's a really good night you know, yeah. for KD to put up 30 plus. Now people, like role players do that now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes, because I read a lot of these point totals and these stats over time, over the course of the season. And I'm just getting less wowed by each one every time I see it. I'm just like, yeah, you know. Fred Van Vliet got 28 and 6. Good for him, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a regular night. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good time to be a fan of offensive basketball in the league, I think. Yeah. But what do you think about these teams, like, long-term? We know that to win a championship, you do need to be pretty tough defensively. Yeah. I think the Raptors really proved that last season. Do you see teams like Miami and Toronto going deep in the playoffs? I think Miami can go deep. They're definitely one of those teams where everyone always says, oh, they have a shot. They have a shot. They yeah. can. They have a puncher's chance. That's definitely Miami. Toronto, I believe in them a bit more. I think Siakam's real, yeah. for example. Yeah. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, even though these points are a bit absurd, I still think he's real as much as I hate him. Um, and I just don't think the Heat really have it in them. I, I commented today when I was watching the game that they're playing out of their mind right now. They're yeah. overperforming. What do you think? I think I think I can see them pull a couple of games like that out in the playoffs. Yeah. I think matchups are going to be a big deal. Because the problem for the Heat right now uh, is that I don't know if their bad shooters are going to continue to shoot well. I don't know if all these super athletic players are going to maintain their health through yeah. the end of the season. It's It's just all the hallmarks of a team that is at risk of injury problems. And yeah. sort of just the variance in the league coming to get them, you know. Compared to a team like Toronto, who I think is relatively, you know, in, in the gaming world, we call it RNG-proof. Yeah. Because I don't think people quite appreciate how stacked and deep and well-coached that team was last season. Yeah. Like, if you still doubt Nick Nurse at this point, just because he had Kawhi or whatever, like, yeah. you you got to just stop talking. Well, for what they're doing post-Kawhi, like, you have to credit the man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think what you mentioned about the playoffs is interesting. We know from watching multiple seasons of playoff basketball now when it comes to the playoffs you're as good as what you're bad at yeah because everyone eventually will take away what you're good at and you'll be forced to do what you're worst at so whatever you're worst at that's what you're going to be putting in in a game five or game six yeah and it's just a matter of who can do what they're bad at better than the other team can do what they're bad at i can't even tell you what toronto's weakness is yeah which is insane because i think in the past we'd be like oh they don't have that superstar to take them to the next yeah. level. What does that even mean anymore? <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, it doesn't matter because they're, they're kryptonite LeBron. Well, when guys there. like Kendrick Nunn can score 25 a game, <laughs> I don't even know what the role of a superstar is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I think it'd be a good time to revisit uh, some of our takes from earlier this season. Yeah, I believe in accountability. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, yeah As a valued member of the public sector, accountability and transparency is everything. Yeah. So I want to own up to a couple of takes earlier in the season. Which well, my job literally has the word account in it. So yeah, there you yeah, go. we probably should. Yeah. Uh, okay. First one, probably the most blatant one, the Utah Jazz. What's going on? Um, I think I don't want to, I don't want to say the obvious, right? Yep. which is that Mike Conley is not 
Mike Conley that we know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I think that's really it. I told you earlier this season I don't believe in Donovan Mitchell. It's not that I hate him or I don't want to believe in him. I just don't see anything that gives me confidence or reason to believe that he he's that superstar that people are making him out to be. Yeah. And Joe Ingles has not recovered from whatever happened to him last post-playoffs. He got paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had these guys as the third seed before the start of the season. I thought this is a well-coached team that is incredible defensively. Yeah. Rudy Gobert is a game changer. I didn't really see Donovan Mitchell performing worse. I thought, you know, with the pressure being taken off him with a real point guard in the lineup, yeah. that he'd just improve. Yeah, me uh, too. That's what I said. Yeah, we but the Mike about. Conley thing, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's baffling. I yeah. think you always account for the possibility that someone is not going to age well. Yeah. But this guy has completely fooled us. Like, he, yeah. he does not look like a good NBA player right now. Well, my hope is that his skills are not skills that are dependent on age. It's not as if he was some high-flying dunker and suddenly he broke his Achilles and yeah. now, you know, he has no athleticism. He's always been known for good playmaking, fundamental, decent shooting. Those are things that age well. And they are things that I can, I believe he can get back over the course of the season. Another thing going for the Utah Jazz is historically, they've always um, made that good second-half run. Yeah, That's they've had a brutal schedule. Yep. And as we know, past performance is always a good indicator of future performance, yep. right? That's why we're all rich. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm not heaps worried about the Jazz, but I think having a good seed in the Western Conference has never been more important than it is now. Yeah. And I feel like that sort of top three seed is going to be out of reach pretty soon if it isn't already. Yeah. Even even third seed, you know? Yeah. If you're the third seed, you're versing the Lakers or the Clippers. You yeah. know what I mean? All right, you had the Rockets as your top Western team before the season started. Are yeah. you feeling confident about that? Look, I, f- I should feel confident. I feel like with the things that James Harden is doing, they should be higher than they currently are. Yeah. But they're not. And so I have to look around the rest of the team and see what's going on. It doesn't help that James Harden went 4 of 20 today from the free point. He line. was still super efficient because he yeah. got to shoot 24 free throws and he made yeah. all of them. It's ridiculous that like people complain that he gets a lot of free throws, which he does, but it's absurd that he makes like pretty much all of them you, every dude, night. Dude, I think it's actually the main thing he practices now, apart from threes. <laughs> like, and why wouldn't you if he's you're that good at drawing contact? Yeah. Like most people, if they got to shoot twenty four free throws a game, they'd probably make about eighteen. You know, yeah. What I mean? If you made eighteen, you'd be like, great, that's that's solid. That's a pretty good yeah. night for most people. Yeah. Even Steph Curry, I, if he got twenty four free throws, I'd be like, oh, he probably made twenty two. You know. Yeah. But, you know, you know, he's statistically the best free throw shooter in history. I, I want to know how many free throws he's going to end up with when his career ends. Harden. I wonder if, yeah. I wonder if he'll have made more points from free throws than like two-point shots. Do you know what I mean? It it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all. <laughs> I mean, if I could look it up right now, I would. I mean, I dare say he's probably made more free yeah. throw points than like two-point shots. It's just good offense. I know people don't like to watch it. I think that's why, you know, Harden would drop 60 and people aren't that impressed. Yeah, It's still really impressive. Because yeah. if you just imagine all the possessions where he got fouled, yeah. if they didn't foul, yeah. so most of the time it's a bucket. because well, 60 takeaway, 20, 40. He's still scoring 40 points. Yeah, that's right. It, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And they're not that efficient, but yeah. you gotta. this is why true shooting accounts for free throws. Yeah, Because if one guy just gets fouled every single time he gets a good look, yeah. of course his shooting percentage is not going to be great, you know? Yeah. And what... So I think the obvious thing you probably want to attack is Westbrook. Like, yeah, it you, is. How have you... How have you watched him sort of be integrated into Rockets' offense? 
I think the coaching is is sound fundamentally. Yeah. I see the idea of what they're trying to do. Yeah. The problem is Westbrook can't help himself. Yeah. And at, definitely. and I think this is why you know people blame Dan Tony for squandering a roster with this much talent on it. Yeah. I still think Westbrook's really talented, but you can't you can't shoot thirty times a game. <laughs> you can't you can't take this like six threes a game. You can't shoot thirty times and make it seven times. Yeah. yeah. There's probably like three players in the league who'd I'd be okay with shooting thirty plus shots a game. Yeah. James Harden is one of them. Yeah. The rest of them are not on the Rockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, the thing with Westbrook is I remember distinctly watching a game this season. I forgot who it was against, but they were down they were down three, right? Yeah. Westbrook had the ball at the three point line with thirteen seconds to go. They had the entire shot clock, by the way. Yeah. And I watched him. I literally watched his mind, his thought process as he did the jab step and I'm like, don't do it. This was but, against the Clippers. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. don't do it. Please don't do it. I watched him make a jab step, do a pump fake, look up at the rim and I'm like, he's going to shoot right now. <laughs> yeah. And he shot at that exact moment that I said it. And I was like, this is from all the years of watching OKC basketball. Yeah. I know his thought process now. You're like a battered wife going back to your abusive husband. <laughs> yeah. Not to make light of that because that's very serious. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how people keep deluding themselves into believing he'll turn it around. I saw poor George. By the way, poor George, who has played with Russell Westbrook for like two, three seasons. I want to know who did his shoulders. <laughs> well, that aside, you know what he did when Westbrook had the ball at the three-point line? He literally walked He away. walked towards the rim and he grabbed the rebound. No, he, he turned to make sure he shot and then he looked away. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you got to let them disrespect you like that. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He's an emotional guy. He probably got baited into shooting it. Yeah. But... There's no point, like, there's no rational person who would look at this and be like, yep, this is the way to go. And th- it, it's actually gross to me how Rockets fans, you know, who Harden and Westbrook had a rivalry for a while, yep. at least a media created rivalry. Rivalry, yeah. Rivalry, yeah. <laughs> I know they're boys, but, like, they were crapping on this guy for years, you know. Yep. He's a he's a ball hog. He's inefficient. He's a stat patter. Yep. He doesn't contribute to winning basketball. And they had to, like, pretend that none of that was true once he joined the team, <laughs> which I kind of get. Like, if he joined my team, I, I kind of have to praise him. Yeah. But if you spent that long crapping on him, how can you not say it's, it's the same deal now? You yeah. know, that's that frustrates me. I, I will say he's playing Rockets basketball in the sense that he's doing all the things that D'Antoni and Harden would probably want him to do on offense. Yeah. He's just not good at those things that they want him to yeah. do. You know what I mean? Like he, he's taking the three point shots, which is what they want yeah. like their players to do. He's just not good at it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm surprised to be honest. There hasn't been much of a spotlight on his flaws and his shortcomings so yeah. far. I think maybe the like LeBron and AD at the Lakers will take a lot of shine in terms of the the media. But it's only a matter of time before people look at Westbrook and say, Hey, something's going on here. It's cause the Rockets are winning. I think that's the difference. Yeah, they don't need Westbrook to play well right now at this point in the season with their schedule. Yeah, this is absolutely going to be a problem later on, and I can't wait to talk about it again once <laughs> there's a big playoffs loss or something. Yeah. But the fact is, currently Harden is hard carrying this team. Yeah, uh, their role players like you know Daniel House and James Ennis are playing quite well as well. Mm. That's got to, that's worth a mention. Yeah, the thing is, you can't rely on role players in yeah. the playoffs. And Capella was good today. Yeah, Capella was good today. This all this matters. It doesn't mean the Rockets are a bad team. Yeah. But you were calling them a first seed. I thought they'd be elite as well. Yeah. But Russell Westbrook has made this team worse. You know, all I could think today was, man, if only Harden had a point guard playing next to him who could, you know, <laughs> move off the ball, handle it when he's not there, yeah. shoot it relatively well, and play great defense. Yeah. If only there was a point guard like that out there. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the joke of who can stop KD Westbrook. Yeah. Like, when he was on OKC. <laughs> now it's who can stop Harden. Oh, it's Westbrook. Yeah. You know what I mean. 
And I feel for the guy because I still think he's in a suboptimal position. If he was a number one guy on this team, I feel like he'd play a bit better. Yeah. But it's clear that he hasn't fully adjusted, at least mentally. He still thinks he needs to take 30 a game. That's not yeah. It's not going to win you games. Yeah. So with the second seed, I had the Nuggets, I feel like. Yeah. Yep. The Nuggets. Uh, what's going on there? I can't even explain it. Jokic is not in game shape. I think it's it's probably the most obvious explanation, but at the same time, it's probably the most powerful explanation. Yeah. I think the problem with being out of shape in the league is, okay, look, if you get him the ball in the half court, he can still do all the things he used to do, you know? Yeah. Put his butt into a guy, drop step, get a nice floater or a hook <laughs> shot, pass out of the post. He He's still doing all of that, which is why the Nuggets are winning. Yeah. But it on the other end, we already criticized him for being a weak defender, you know? And yeah. I kind of, I kind of went back on that. I said, well, he's not as bad as most people say he is. Mm. But if he plays like this, if he's out of game shape, he can't get up the court in transition. Yeah. He gives take fouls that he shouldn't be giving, which limits how much he can stay on the court. Yeah, all of that matters. And the, unfortunately, weight loss is something you actually have to work really hard at. It's not something that's going to get better, you know. Yeah, like your three point shooting might regress back to a, a decent level. Yeah, but <laughs> like your weight, you can't just luck into losing thirty pounds. Yeah, I don't want to say, like, why can't this guy just lose weight? Or why can't he, like, take care of his diet since he's on a team with a serious hope to contend? Yeah. But that I'm kind of tempted to say, like, why can't this guy just lose weight? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're, you're getting paid to play a sport as well. You can probably also drop 500k, you're getting a personal chef to make your meals for you. Yeah. So you don't have to run out to, I don't know, Jollibee or something. It's a lot less than 500k. Yeah. Well, I bet it's not even that, right? I bet LeBron spends that much on his personal shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, they say he spends a million dollars a year on, on his, his body. gym alone, I think. Yeah. No, oh, yeah it's, after inflation, it's probably close to two million by now. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Aussie dollars, it's like two million. Yeah. That yeah. pays for like one Peloton membership. <laughs> Don't buy Peloton stock, by the way. It's way overpriced. Anyway, I think I always had him in the same bag as guys like Embiid and Giannis as sort of the next crop of superstars. Yep. But to me, it's way easier to lose 30 pounds than it is for Giannis to develop a pull-up three. Yeah, like which, just, he, which he like is, by the which way. Which he is. Yeah, yeah. He's, trying, he's actually trying to do right now. Yeah. And if the rest of these guys fix the easily fixable things in the game and he doesn't, yeah, I think at that point, like I hate to sound like an old sports head that you find on like ESPN first take or something, yeah. but that's just a character issue. And yeah. it spills over into a leadership issue. Yeah. If Jokic isn't willing to lose weight, why should Michael Porter Jr. try to get into game shape? Why should Jamal Murray work on his defense Yeah, if their superstar isn't putting in the work? I think he's privileged in the sense that his flaw is weight loss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no one's saying, this guy needs to get a three-point shot. This guy is so soft. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, they are saying he's soft, sorry. Yeah. But my point is, his fundamental flaw that always gets pointed out is his, his weight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then second is his defense. But for guys like MB where they're saying like, oh, he doesn't have a good three-point shot or Carl Towns where they're saying, Oh, this guy always like disappears when the when the game needs him most kind of thing. Yeah. For him to only have to deal with weight loss, that's fairly like, you know, that's decent. Yeah. In the sense that it's easily tack- tackleable. Yeah. And I don't want to make light of, you know, being overweight as an issue. I think there's a there's a severe difference between an athlete who gets paid millions of dollars to play basketball yep. to lose weight compared to like your average Joe who probably has a an family office, to feed and, and a stressful job. job. Yeah, exactly. An yeah. office job. Like I feel like it shouldn't be that extreme to just say, just lose weight or just gain weight. Yeah. And I, I say mean, this as someone who struggles to put on weight. He should be able to walk into losing weight in the sense that he's playing basketball every other day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. If he's playing basketball and even if he maybe has one cheat meal every two days, he should still be losing weight by yeah. all accounts. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the other team that I was wrong about was the Spurs and we were both wrong because we both had them as like a ninth seed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, I mean, we talked about them last time, but realistically, like it was cool to see them win against the Rockets today. Yeah. But what is this team's best hope right now? Uh, this team's best hope is for Pop to have a nice bow out. I'm not saying that in the sense that I hate Pop or anything, but I think I don't want to see his name get dragged through the mud. They're not going to be good again in his lifetime. Not much, sorry, that's the dark <laughs> in his coaching career. Yeah, but I think with with Pop, you, sorry, not with Pop, with the Spurs, they they're playing with players who were designed to play in the last decade. Hmm. They're not they're not playing with players who are designed for. 2010 to 2020 and onwards, who are their best two players? Demar and Aldridge. Yeah, right. Those guys. When were they good? In the tens. Yeah. Or early tens, right? And then they stopped kind of becoming those big names towards the end. And their their role players are fine, but are you expecting your role players to carry you to a playoff seat? Or something? Yeah. Bryn Forbes cannot score 25 points <laughs> every game. Yeah. It's not in his. It's not in his bag. You know. Yeah. And that. I said it last time that fundamental beautiful basketball that's not there anymore. Mm. They just they're they're Grizzlies now. They they're playing gritty. <laughs> they kind of are, yeah. Yeah, they're playing grit and grind basketball, and it's ugly to watch. And but it'll never take away from you know how great Pop is as a coach or anything. Yeah, he's got five titles. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Aldridge to like take a discount once his contract is up and just suddenly <laughs> win a ring with someone. Yeah. Like, imagine him on the, the Raptors. How good would it be for a team where he's ring chasing with them? Yeah, that would be very exciting. That would get me to watch again. Yeah. But I think, like, the the fact that guys like Marc Gasol, they're getting paid dirt cheap. Oh, no, so he's in a big contract right now. But he's definitely going to chase rings yeah. as soon as his contract is up. Yeah. I get really excited for that sort of thing because it's sort of like the old era coming into the new. Yeah. Like, you see the mentorship of these old guys. You see where they're still really effective. And one thing I want to touch on is uh, how he defended Joel Embiid. Yeah. In the Sixers game. Yeah. Like, you look at this big rivalry. It's like a modern rivalry because they met in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Embiid looked hopeless against Marcus Gasol. Yeah. So clearly, there's still some place in the league for these traditional style players who still value defense quite highly. Yeah, definitely. We can get to Joel Embiid and how Marcus Gasol has a lot of real estate in, <laughs> yeah. his, in his head. <laughs> yeah. Look. Funny, there was no Instagram post after Embiid. Yeah. yeah, put up a donut I, against him. I, I can see that the Blazers, I had them as the sixth seed. Last time we talked about the Blazers, they were the second worst team in the West. Yeah. And I remember I said, I don't want to count a team out, but I think they're out because usually when you fall behind in the West, it's a bit too late. This has been about like just over a week since we last recorded. They are currently two spots out of the... <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of things going on here. One is just injury luck. I think, you know, if they don't have Nurkic back soon, yeah. the season is over. Yeah. Losing Zach Collins for a long period of time is going to hurt as well. Yeah. I think this kid was starting to get really good towards yeah, the end of was. last season. Yeah. I thought he looked really good against the Warriors, even though they got swept. Yeah. This is a guy who... That sweep, by the way, by the Warriors was not a... It's not a real sweep. It wasn't a real yeah, sweep. Yeah, no, the Blazers are up by Blazers 17. The Blazers won, I mean, yeah. led in every single game. Yeah. Except for the final eight minutes or something. There's something to be said about how their mentals just collapsed as soon as the Warriors got that lead in the third. <laughs> yeah. Like, for that to happen four times in a row, I think is a bit concerning. Yeah. But you look at the roster, like, there's just not enough here right now. They're too thin because of injuries. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside, 
is performing as we expected he would, yeah. which is to say he's not trying at all. <laughs> I just saw that I think two of the wins they got recently were against the Bulls. So they have been eating good in that yeah. sense. Uh, I want to talk about the fact that Carmelo Anthony got player of the week. This, this is an outrage. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> James Harden averaged 57 points last week. <laughs> and we're giving it to Melo, really? Like, okay, tell, tell the audience why he won it. Because we all know. Uh, he, he joined the league again. Yeah, he joined yeah. the league again. He joined the league and wasn't atrocious. And wasn't atrocious. That's right. I feel like this is the... If I was Carmelo, I'd be offended. Yeah, to me be too. This, this is patronizing. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this is such a participation award. Yeah. It's like when you're in kindergarten and they give you a certificate and it says, you know, showed up to swimming class. Yeah. That, that was it. You came last in the 100 meter dash. Yeah. And you got the McDonald's voucher for trying hard. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is setting a bad example for the children of today. Yeah. If they don't understand that failure has its consequences, <laughs> they're all going to end up like Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, I, wa- I do want to say like, Historically, we don't usually care about the player of the week. It was just a bit of a, are you serious sort of moment yeah. for me? Like, We had a week where James Harden almost averaged 60. Luka Doncic was playing. 39 and 9. Yeah, like a 30-something triple-double almost. And it, if nothing else, LeBron you know, yeah, or just, Anthony Davis. It'd be a good choice any week, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. The, the guy averaged 17 points. He's not even the best player in the West with Anthony in his name. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy in LA like doing twice as much as he is. Look, a- Anthony yeah, Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver, correct. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't care about the award at the end of the day. Yeah, I care because it's so obvious what they were trying to do. Yeah, like please get this out of my good analysis. You know, I don't have room for this. I don't have mental energy to argue about this. <laughs> but this is symptomatic of something that's been going on for ages. Like, Andre Iguodala won finals MVP in 2015. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And some really smart people voted him. When, when are we going to just give that award to Curry? Do you know what I mean? Like, can they, we, they can won't. we revise It's the one the thing they have to, to discredit Curry. Yeah. People say he's the most disrespected superstar ever among his peers. Yeah. It's because of dumb crap like this, like Zach Lowe giving it to Iguodala. Like, I love you, Zach, but come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean... My favorite, my favorite thing that uh, Shannon Sharp always says about Iguodala is, yeah, he contained LeBron to 37-77. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, I think is actually a great achievement yeah. if you just consider the context of the match. Yeah. But come on, man. And this stuff is pervasive. This is the same reasoning that's behind Melo winning this award. Yeah. It's why unanimous MVPs haven't been a thing in the past. Yeah. It's why some really bad player is going to make All-Star this year. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah. I can feel Russell Westbrook getting an all-star <laughs> nomination and I'm just going to go berserk. <laughs> yeah, we, we look, last thing with the Blazers, is, I mean, with at least Carmelo anyway, I do want to say he's he's been okay. Yeah, uh, look, he hasn't been bad. I definitely have to eat crow on my take on him. I thought he was just going to be straight hot fire in a, in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he's shooting about 46% from the field, which is not great. It's okay. But he's shooting 37% from the three-point line, which is fine. That's really good. There was a point in time when 46% from the field would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, actually, I was I, I noted that because I've been an NBA fan for almost 10 years now. And I remember a time when shooting 40% from the field was considered good. Like, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't amazing. It was fine. And now if you don't shoot 50%, people are like, well, don't shoot at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Even Bryn Forbes could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look. Melo is not a game changer. I think no one really expects him to keep up this level of play throughout the season. Yep. But it's at least good that Blazers fans have something to feel good about. I think it's important to have these narratives in the league, even if I'm not really interested in them from a basketball perspective. Yeah, I'm just like the day when LeBron retires or when Steph Curry retires or KD retires, 
there's going to be a huge hole in my heart yeah. that I used to occupy. You know, it's going to be weird. Yeah. I, even now I can feel it. They're, they're still in the prime, yeah. so to speak. But watching a season without Curry or KD, isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. And these young up-and-comers, they're, they're good. They're fine in the sense, as in they're not bad at all. Yeah, and it's, they will be amazing. They're, they're just, in my head, they'll never be, you know, LeBron, yeah, it's Steph who, Curry. It's who you grew up with. Yeah. Like at some point, there's going to be a player who's better than Steph Curry in every imaginable way. Yeah. And I'm still going to be like, Curry was better. Yeah. And, <laughs> and saying that now, we you can understand why there are guys that are like, you know, Charles Barkley, oh, back in my day. Yeah, yeah. You're like, we're becoming those guys. It's slowly, true. It's true. Know, as it, we approach our 30s. It pays to have self-awareness about it. Like, I'm only 23. Yeah. But in my heart, I feel like a 50-year-old <laughs> when it comes to the NBA. I feel like working in an office job, like doubles your acceleration rate in terms of your aging it's also rubbing shoulders with the older nba fans like yeah. i remember one of my old managers was a knicks fan yeah like back when they blew that final series <laughs> like the the sheer pain he would have in his voice whenever he talked about the nba yeah that's gonna be me in 10 years when the warriors yeah. are the worst team in the league yeah i mean they are right now but <laughs> you know they've got some stars coming back yeah well my my colleague he's a little he's about seven years older than me yeah he says Oh, I've always liked Carmelo. He's been a really good player. And in my head, as somebody who followed Carmelo basically from his Knicks days, yeah. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. I think the last time he was good was like year three with the Knicks. Yeah. And then after that, it was just all downhill. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, Carmelo good? Like, yeah. Oh, which, which Carmelo <laughs> were you watching? Do you know what I mean? Well, you got to give him credit. He was the Blazers MVP back then. Yeah. yeah every, every single match against them, he would just, you yeah. know. I just crapped the bed. Anyway. I'm going to group the next two for us to get them out of the way. Wolves and Suns. Because yeah. they're next to each other on the list right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Suns hot streak is over. Can yeah. we say that? Yeah. Can, can we, the story's over, right? The feel-good story. I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. I think... Um, they're still in it right now. They're still in it. And you never know what could go wrong with some of the teams yeah. sort of in their ballpark. Like yeah. Kings could melt down. The Wolves could melt down. This yeah. is all very possible. Yeah, but I think we've seen the limitations of what this team can do. I'm not even convinced that Aiton's going to make them better. I think the it's safe to say that the Pistons and Magic yeah. are the worst now. You know, they had a nice hot start. We we thought there was something there for a second. There isn't. That which is kind of what I said the whole time. I was hesitant. I was like, you know, I don't want to be a hater, but historically, this has happened every season with one or two teams. Yeah. And that's not to say they have no hope because I think even with a team like the Magic, I still think they've got the pieces to be a future contender. Yeah. Like, you know, we can talk about Markel Fultz and their best player, Jonathan Isaac. They look amazing. And yes, the Suns still have great young talent. There's no reason to believe Booker and Aiton won't be stars in the future. Yeah. And look, Booker probably played his way into an all-star nomination this season already. Yeah. But this team is, it lacks a few things that the really good teams in the NBA have. And it's a cohesive identity without their star players. Is it sad if I say it's just not their time yet? That's not a problem at all. I was saying that about the Sixers like three seasons ago, and now they've arrived. Yeah. So with the Suns, it's it's fine for us to say maybe next year or maybe in two years' time. Yeah, I think so. The, the good thing is that I think they look like an NBA team now, which yeah. matters a lot because for Devin Booker's entire career, he has not played on an NBA team. Yeah, He's played on like some really whack University of Arizona scrimmage squad <laughs> who just happened to have a few players who are in the NBA as well. Yeah. Like, who's his best teammate been these last couple of seasons? Like, Eric Bledsoe? Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler. <laughs> no, it was post-peak Tyson Chandler. Is it really Eric Bledsoe? 
Is T- was TJ Warren better than him? Eric, get me out of here. Yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> like his best teammate, like tried to force his way out off the team. That yeah. says a lot about the Suns. But before I, I, I criticized them because I didn't know what good basketball looked like for Phoenix. Yep. Now I do. Now I see it's when Aaron Baines is holding down the paint, when they're stretching the court, when Booker can get to work one-on-one, yep. when he's not getting double teamed, when their shooters are making their shots. I know that this is not going to last the whole season, which is why I never believed they were really, really, really for real. Yeah. But they look like a team now, and I think that's that's something you can be happy about. Like, that's enough already. If yep. the season ends today and you're the Suns, you're like, yep, good season. As long as progression keeps happening. Yes, yep. definitely. Let's talk about, I think we, sh- we owe it to the audience to talk about the LA teams. Right. We, we can group them together. We don't have to do it separately, even though they're pretty big topics. Yeah. I want to talk about the Clippers. I, I said earlier, I want to know who did Paul George's shoulders. <laughs> this, this man is somehow shooting better than before he had the injury. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I He had one blip game, I think, but like it's been smooth. I don't want to say it's HGH, but it's <laughs> totally HGH. They need to drug test this man. Like they, they did my boy eight and dirty. Yeah. Why can't they do it to him as well? This guy's definitely roided. Yeah, it's high. <laughs> and I think the cool thing about Paul George right now is that I wasn't sure how he would fit into the team because yeah. I don't think they really had that ball-dominant star that was able to get him in his spots. Yeah. But Lou Will has been quite comfortable with him on the court. So have all the other guards and ball handlers. Even Kawhi looks yeah. like he's having a lot of fun playing next yeah. to PG. You saw that report come out where PG said, oh, I wanted to be traded to the Spurs. Yeah. That says a lot about how what kind of relationship these guys have on the court. Yeah. It's works so well. And I do worry about them because I don't think either of these guys are playing a full season. But yeah. then again, I don't believe that about AD and LeBron either. Yeah. I think the good thing about PG and Kawhi is they're definitely plug and play yeah. type players. It is a little bit understated how much Lou and Harold are sometimes carrying them in games. They're the best pick and roll combo in the league and yeah. neither of them are all-stars. Yeah. You could reasonably just put PG and Kawhi on opposite sides of the court, have Lou and Harold run the pick and roll in the middle. Yeah. And you know what the crazy thing is? This, they haven't even tried that yet. Yeah. This is conceivably a thing they could do in the playoffs. Yeah. Like literally poor George and Kawhi Leonard spotting up. Yeah. But they haven't even tried it yet because they don't need to. That's pretty yeah. crazy. It, yeah. I, I just wanted to note that it is a little unspoken that I think Harold and Lou will put up about 40 to 50 between them most nights. Yeah. But... Not to take away from PG or Kawhi. Every time I watch Kawhi, I, I don't think he's even the best player right now. But every time I watch him and he palms the ball, like I get chills and flashes of yeah. Jordan. We, we haven't seen a guy do that in so long, from, especially from like the mid-range area. Yeah. When he palms it, does a jab step, I'm like, wow, like that is Jordan. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I wonder if this is sort of the new Jordan archetype. Yeah. We know guys like Kobe uh, have modeled their games after Jordan. Yeah. You know, having that mid-range threat, being able to attack the basket efficiently and also pass out. I don't even think you can really describe it well in words. You just kind of have to watch it and you're like, yep, this yeah. is what it looks like. Yeah. But there are a couple of players in the league, I think, right now who are looking at Kawhi as a new contemporary yeah. for that kind of big wing play style that he's sort of pioneering. Yeah. Like you look at Rui Hachimura, who, mm-hmm. by the way, was an amazing draft pick for the Wizards. Yeah, he point. almost looks like Kawhi. Like the way he plays with that jab step, the way he puts his shoulder into people. Yeah. Like it's like this is the new inefficiency in the NBA. It's interesting because it's, uh, it's, he's quite a ball stopper, but yeah. no one, he doesn't get roasted the way Carmelo does for it. Cause he's efficient. Yeah. That or sometimes. Yeah. I, I do want to say sometimes Kawhi's not that efficient, but it never gets talked about. 
because he's never had a bad team. So you've never needed to watch Kawhi chuck 50 <laughs> shots for him to win. Yeah, There's probably one game in the whole playoffs last season where he did that. <laughs> in game seven. Yeah, game seven. That's the thing. I think with Kawhi, you you look at the things he's good at. One yeah. is obviously defense. Yep. He, I think he's lost a step. I still think his off-ball defense is overrated. But there's no denying this guy can put the clamps on anyone. Yeah, for sure. Number two is ISO scoring. Having a guy who's that big and that strong and that skilled means buckets. Yeah. And that's just that sounds simplistic, but it's just true. The third one is rebounding. Boardman. Uh, yeah, Boardman gets paid. Why have we forgotten that this was a thing? Like, why have we forgotten that this guy built his early career off his defense and rebounding? Right now, the problem with not running a big in your lineups is that you lack a bit of interior defense. You lack a bit of rebounding. Typically, big men are very good at rebounding. Yeah. Yep. And that's where you see your know, previously teams in the past, like the Celtics, when they run certain lineups without strong rebounders, you get demolished. The Pacers have the same problem. The Warriors have had the same problem. Yeah. Now, it doesn't even matter anymore because there are so many athletic wings out there who are so good at getting rebounds. And I almost think Rui Hachimura is the next Kawhi. He's not yep. going to be as good as Kawhi, I don't think. But his skill set... Not if he stays on the Wizards. Not if he stays <laughs> on the Wizards. Oh, I think, look, they've, they've made good decisions this season. <laughs> They're just a bad team. These inefficiencies that Kawhi is really exploiting, I think this will be the next wave. We looked at guys like Trey Young already and, and Doncic. No need to explain. Yeah. Who's going to be the next Kawhi? That's what I'm interested in. Mm. Yeah. I think I'd say that's enough for the Clippers. I want to talk about the Lakers a little bit. I, I honestly did not expect them to try this much, to be honest. I think, yeah, you know, I, just, I agree with you. I don't, I, don't have, I, don't have any, I was trying to come up with an explanation, but I can't come up with them. Yeah, because they're, they're first or second in defense right now and about sixth in offense, which means they're clearly trying on both ends of the court. I, I think LeBron is probably due to take his foot off the pedal a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's already been documented that he's trying quite well, uh, yeah. quite a lot. So I think well, he's playing defense, yeah, for one. He and never I, did that last season. Yeah, I, I wouldn't discredit him if he took his foot off the pedal. I think that would be smart if he did. For yeah, now. Uh, I, I, I was, I heard that Anthony Davis, when LeBron doesn't play and Anthony Davis is on the court, the Lakers are negative four per one hundred possessions. I believe that. Does that concern you? Plus minus that should always be taken with a grain of salt, but there is no way that this team plays positive basketball without LeBron. Yeah. I think this is partly because they waited so long in the offseason when yeah. they, you know, what really wanted to sign when, Kawhi. When Kawhi played 4D chess with them. Yeah, and Kawhi just owned them. I think they don't they're not an NBA team without LeBron. That's not to say they aren't deep. Yeah. Because they do have some role players who I think do specific things really well. Mm-hmm. Alex Caruso is a revelation. Yeah. Like, I would have been fine if he played as well as he did last season, but he's improved somehow. Yeah, and you're seeing his athleticism being used really well on both sides of the court. Like outside of the memes, he's actually a pretty good player. He's actually a really good player, and he's not sneaky, athletic, gym rat, typical white guy. Yeah, he's he's super athletic. This guy's really <laughs> fit, and the Lakers need a guy like that. So I hope he stays healthy. The thing with the Lakers is, yes, they're going to take the foot off the pedal. Can they innovate without LeBron? Because at a certain point, a team like the Clippers, for example, if this is the Western Conference Finals, or maybe even the Rockets. Yep. They still have guys who can create when their stars sit. The Lakers lack that guy right now, which has been a trend for LeBron's entire career. Yep. Can, is Avery Bradley a secret playmaker? Is Alex Caruso secretly a playmaker? <laughs> I don't know, but one of these things has to happen if I'm going to be like, yes, this is the team to beat. Yeah, The alternative is AD could develop some playmaking skills, but it might be a bit too 
too much to ask of him. I wouldn't ask season. for more. I think he's playing as best as he can right now. Yeah, and my if the only concern is this team cannot play well, play make without LeBron on the court, I think that's really good because I know in the playoffs LeBron's going to play like 42 minutes a game. Oh, yeah. So if that's the only issue, then they're primed to make a really a championship run. Yeah, no reason to believe they're not a contender right now. Yeah. So we come to the next topic, which is this idea of a mid-season tournament. Yeah. I know we're a bit late to it. The the news is about a week old, but I still think it's yeah. worth talking about. What's been going on? So what's the NBA actually proposed? Okay. So the thing is the NBA has proposed a couple of things that they want to visit or explore for next season. The one you were referring to is this in-season tournament where all 30 teams participate and they're split into divisional group stages. So your divisions first. You play a tournament and then the six winners that come out of it play our play a single elimination knockout round yeah and right now there is no proposed reward so to speak for winning that tournament so i think that's where all the interesting discussion has been happening i've heard think people say an extra draft pick or increased um draft pick odds yeah i think here's my hot one the winner gets a guaranteed playoff spot oh that could be really problematic down the track yeah, see, see, I brought that up with another friend and he didn't like it either. So why don't you like it? I think it'd be exciting. Yeah. I think it would make the tournament worth watching because I think if there's no incentive, teams will not try. Yeah. Like they're already trying exactly, to right? like load management. To, like, it has to be good enough incentive because here's the thing. Here's the, my problem with the draft pick one. If you give them the improved draft pick odds, a team that wins a, to- a tournament of that caliber it's probably getting like you know a second round fourteenth draft pick anyway. Yeah. Well, you're gonna give them a second round second draft pick. It's not like that the, it's not worthless. That's still got value. Yeah. But, but the stakes just are don't they feel gonna that high. go balls to the wall to get to increase their draft pick by thirteen spots for yeah. the second round? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I just think the seeding implications of giving a guaranteed playoff spot halfway through the season yeah. is really big. Like. I think most teams would play really hard to win that, yeah. right? Because what's really the prize? It's not really the playoff spot. If you're good enough to win it, you're good enough to be in the playoffs. Exactly, right? The thing is, the Lakers get to rest LeBron and AD for an entire half season. Yeah. Like, that's an insane advantage. Well, pragmatically, what I... So, yeah, you, you pointed out the one thing that um, I that was my main reasoning, which is... The team that is going to win a tournament of that caliber was most likely going to be a playoff team anyway. Yeah. Right? So that's the first thing where it wouldn't be as controversial. For example, if, say, the Sixers won that tournament, are you going to get mad that the Sixers get a guarantee? No, they stole a playoff spot from my dear Detroit Pistons. (laughs) Yeah, so like they would (laughs) have probably been in the playoff one way or another anyway. Do you know what I mean? And my second thing is, no, even if you win a mid-season tournament, you're not going to rest your players 40 games. Really? No, because you still got to play. Like you got to develop chemistry. You got to work out. Okay, if if it's a two point game with ten seconds to go, how are we going to execute this? Right. Game? You're not just going to be like, all right, I'll see you guys in May. You know what I mean? Like, worst case scenario, maybe the the load management happens more regularly, but I don't think a team is just going to mail it in for the entire season just because they won one tournament. Perhaps it's an overreaction on my part to the load management been going on this season yeah because i truly believe in my heart of hearts that if lebron or Kawhi could just not play half a season they would at yeah. this point maybe and then maybe they play like the last 15 games or something yeah and even if that means the lakers or the clippers fall to like a fourth or a fifth seed i think they'd be happy with that yeah 
Well, whatever the reward is, it has to be not busted in the sense that it can't give you some sort of seriously unfair advantage, like um, a, a guaranteed win when you start your playoff series, for example. Yeah. But it can't be something so insignificant, like an extra 2% in your first round draft pick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it'd be a cool avenue for a good team to get a nice draft pick, if anything. Yeah. Like say the, the, the award is you get uh, an end of lottery draft pick. An extra yep. pick there, right? And there's 31 picks in the first round now. Yeah. Like, that would be all right. That'd be worth playing for for certain teams. Hmm. Wouldn't it be exciting if a team like Houston was able to add a lottery pick next season? Yeah, maybe it's my personal bias. I've never been big on the lottery. Even when someone as big as Zion comes in, I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to be good. But I, I've always favored known, known commodities. Yep. So I will take... They'd probably trade the pick, wouldn't they? Yeah. I would take uh, someone who's just below all-star level over the top, the number one pick, for example. But that's just my personal bias. If you're trying to win now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I personally, like, I don't care as much about college basketball as I shouldn't because I'm not from the US. <laughs> and I'm not, like, willing to invest five or six years into watching a guy eventually become an all-star. It, it's really about what that pick gets you, though. If you get the first pick in the draft, what's what's the worst player you could trade for that? Like, yeah, you probably get like a Bradley Beal or something, right? Yeah, which is better than a borderline all star. Yeah, he's like a really good all star. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I really can't think of a good incentive for this to happen. Mm-hmm. As much as I think it would be exciting, this isn't esports where teams are clamoring to get any camera time and yeah. any brand exposure. Yeah, like they're solid. They don't need any of that. They don't need more TV time, more TV deals, more people in stadiums. And speaking of more people in stadiums, what do you think about shortening the season? Because that's one of the proposals. Yep. So another proposal was shortening the season from 72 to 77 or 78 games. Yep. Uh, and I I like it in the sense that it would almost completely eliminate back-to-backs. Yep. Or three and five kind of nights. And if that's going to give players better rest, better health, and less incentive to want to lie about their body condition yeah then i'm all for it seriously there's probably 20 to 30 games for each team in the regular season that actually matter do you know what i mean like the bucks versus the knicks the other day that was just like Giannis was literally practicing shooting threes they won by like 44 yeah which is insane and there was another game in recent history where some team blew the other team out by like 50 or 60 points as well and you know, do these games really matter? Do we need to watch them? Probably not. If we can shorten the season and make each game matter just that little bit more, I'm all for it. Yeah, the the core counter argument will always be... Money. One, money. Owners will never agree to it. And two, it messes with historical stats. Yep. I think that last part is BS. They mess with historical stats when they introduce the three-point line. Yeah. They shouldn't be afraid to do it again. But I, I can easily see why someone like Mark Cuban is not on board with this thing. I think ultimately the good news is that it's a free market and the free market will decide. Yep. If they figure out that fans don't want to come to games because there's like a 40% chance that Kawhi will play in a back-to-back or something like that, mm. then maybe owners will wake up to it. The problem is what happens when you go to this nice new schedule with fewer games and a team like the Clippers is still ridiculously good and Kawhi still wants to manage his load. Yeah, it's hard because you can't like make the NBA season, you know, 16 games or something. Yeah, that's absurd. But you, I think it'd be nice to get it to a point where games have a 
decent proportion of like waiting. Yep. And yeah, that's you have to strike a balance with that and you know, owners making money and whatnot. I I dare say if you make the season shorter, more people tune in, more people actually want to come and watch. Yeah. Which obviously if enough people come, demand goes up, ticket prices go up, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So maybe I know you have to get some consultants to do some modeling for that, but yeah. Yeah, you would really need to see the numbers. I know what my ideal would be. That's a 58-game season. Yep. Each team plays every other team twice. That's it. One home, one away. Done. Yeah. I think that would make everything a bit more impactful. The All-Star game would be more fun yeah. because maybe the players feel like they can try a bit more. Yeah. The playoffs would feel a bit more intense because you haven't seen you know, the Warriors defeat the Blazers four times. Yeah, There'll be more drama in the sense that It'll be more heartbreaking when a team misses out on the playoffs, for example. Yeah. A team that's worthy of the playoffs. Yeah. And it would make it would make the first couple of rounds of the playoffs more interesting as well. Yeah. Because maybe one team is not as good as they look or not as bad as they look. Yeah. But what about this conference reseeding thing? Like, are you a fan of that? So are you're referring to when the each when you get to the top four, they reseed based on regular season record, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Uh it seems like a reaction to the fact that historically the West has been better than the East. Yep. And I'm for it because it, in theory, it will drive for this idea that the best two teams will finally duke it out in the playoffs as opposed to, I don't know, the Warriors and Rockets go all out in a seven-game bloodbath and then, you know, they get to Cleveland and sweep them mm. or gentlemen sweep them. Yeah. So in that sense, I like it. It also um, goes. It also helps that idea of trying in the regular season, trying to get the best record. If you know, it, it's not. For example, if you're in the East, right? Yeah. You, you're not like, oh, if I get 55 wins, I'm gonna be clear of the second seed, no problem. You yeah. Know what I mean, you have to worry about oh, what's going on in the West. Like, oh wow, the Lakers have 60 wins. Okay, that means we're not gonna have home court. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think the biggest travesty over the last few seasons is that the stakes for some of these really significant Western Conference finals have not really been there yeah. by virtue of them being the second last round yeah. in the league. Imagine if Houston versus Golden State, you know, back in 2018, was the finals. Yeah. And yeah. we never had that crappy finals. It, it was, finals. Right. It, Yeah, well, we, when we, everyone said yeah, it. Yeah, we talked about it. And when, as soon as the Warriors won, I was like, congrats, we won. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No one for a second believed that Cleveland was going to do anything to this team. Yeah. They weren't even going to do anything to Houston. Yeah. That's how bad the like, East was we, that season. Everyone said whoever wins this is basically the champion. They just have to play one more round. Yeah. Now imagine if that was the finals. Game seven. Yeah. Golden State Warriors down at by 10 points at halftime on home court. Yeah. How dramatic would that it's be? It's so dramatic. It'd be yeah. so hectic. And I think because I understand how painful it is to watch guys like Steph Curry and Clay pull out incredible performances in that, and all of that is forgotten because Durant averages 35 points a game against one of the worst finals defenses I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Not to discredit his performance because he's KD and he's amazing. Yeah. But these amazing Western Conference finals performances are lost in history. Yeah. And I guess some of them are in the East as well. I don't know. I'm too young for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's lost to history because of the way seeding works. And I'm not opposed to this because it's not like I'm taking, you know, the first through to 11th seed in the West and throwing them in the playoffs. Yeah, and like the Lakers know, don't have to verse the, the Magic, for example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And we don't have a bunch of playoffs teams in the East suddenly not making the playoffs. 
Yeah. Like, I, I'm not really lining up to watch the Magic or the Nets. Neither <laughs> are you. But come on, like, at least let them be in the playoffs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I think this is a good sort of middle ground. I hope they do it. Yeah. I think last one is they want to make the 7th and the 8th seed a play-in spot between 7, 8, 9, and 10. What What do you think? I, I don't understand why. Like, you already have 82 games. Why do you need more? Yeah. Well, I think... I want to say drama, but at the end of the day, who's going to care? Like, it doesn't change the fact that the 7th and the 8th seed yeah. are bad. I'm really excited to see who out of the Wolves, Suns, <laughs> and Kings is going to get swept by LA. Like, that, I can't wait to find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that one's less exciting. Uh, it's not as sexy as reseeding the top four. Yeah. Uh, well, it could... It has some implications for the West, I think, where you can get off to that rocky start and basically you're given a bit of grace in the sense that there's two more seeds available where you can at least duke it out for the 7th and 8th. Yeah. Um, but for the East, I, I really don't think it makes that much of a difference. Like, what the, we're fighting to see if the Pistons or the Magic will get swept by Giannis. I think it would be funny if like a team like the Pistons made the playoffs with like 30 wins as the 10th seed. <laughs> I think that would be entertaining. I would watch that. The league would blow up. The league would blow up. Well, look, ultimately, the reason why I don't want this change is, one, it's too complicated. Yep. And two, it it doesn't reward teams who actually try hard in the regular season and provide us with great quality games. History has only ever accepted one change at a time. That's right. This so, is way too much. Yeah, we can't... Yeah. I don't think all these things will happen. Which one of the proposed changes would you like to see most, though? I think as a basketball fan, ultimately, it's the shorter season. Yeah. I think... I don't want my kids to grow up in an age of load management. Yeah. I know that sounds dramatic. Yeah. But imagine if like in the future, in the year 2050, <laughs> you know, some kids are like, oh, we're going to see an NBA game this weekend. And they have to check the betting odds website to see that Kawhi Leonard <laughs> third has like a 30% chance of playing. They're like, oh, nah, not worth it. Yeah. I I definitely think it like make that regular season great again. Kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. I just want, I don't, we go into every season with this, assumption and this defeatist attitude of all right let's get through these 82 games and then we'll you know maybe the first round will also suck but then the second round onwards we'll turn it on and it'll be really good yeah i i want the season to matter more again yeah yeah and we're responsible members of the media you know like you know what espn does when there's nothing to talk about they talk about Giannis's free agency in two (laughs) years time yeah oh he might go to the raptors yeah. We are above that. We don't need to stoop down to that level of journalism. Yeah. But these things happen because the season is so damn long and uninteresting. Yeah. And they need to generate some puff piece. Exactly. Yeah. And we can talk about Giannis the Raptors next time. Yeah. So do you have any last thoughts about the NBA before we go? I like basketball. It's a good sport. That's, that's yeah. what I like Basketball to say. is very basketball good. Basketball is very good. All right. See you yeah. guys next time. See ya.